where we meet in the presence of God, who knows our needs, he hears our cries, he feels our pain and heals our wounds. So let's come and worship the Lord as we sing. Let's unite our hearts as we pray together. Let's pray. O our gracious and eternal God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus, 
Oh, when we've tasted of your goodness, our souls feel satisfied. Yet we thirst for more of your goodness. Lord, when we taste of your love, we thirst for more of your love then. And Lord, when we've tasted of your amazing mercy, oh, how we thirst for more of your mercy. And Lord, when we've tasted and seen that God is good, and when we've come to know your lovely presence, Lord, we thirst for more of your presence. And so, Lord, today as we worship together, we're aware of our need of grace and our need of new mercies each day. And so we look to the mercy seat and confess our sins. Lord, we're ashamed of our lack of desire and passion for Christ and how we handle the things of God. O oh, blessed triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, O oh, grant us a deep hunger for the things of God. Fill us with such longing to experience more of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And grant to us such a spiritual thirst where we cry out, Lord, show us your glory. O oh, Lord, that we may know you in reality and to worship you in spirit and in truth. Therefore, Lord, begin a new work, a new work of grace in us. O oh, sanctify us. Transform us from one degree of glory to another. And Lord, unite our hearts now as we share in the Lord's prayer, praying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is from Judges chapter 6, reading from verse 11 to 24, and this can be found on page 253 of the Pew Bibles. Judges chapter 6, verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abbey's right, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our father told, about, told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. I am, I, am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Gideon replied, If now I have found favour in your eyes, Give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went in, prepared a young goat, and from an ephah of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot. He brought them out and offered them to him under the oak. The angel of God said to him, Take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock, and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. With the tip of the staff that was his in, in his hand, the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the unleavened bread. Fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. 
and the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon realised that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, sovereign Lord, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you are not going to die. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is Peace. And to this day it stands in offer. Amen. May God add his blessings to this reading. Well, amen. Well, let's turn to our reading there in Judges chapter 6. And as we consider this morning, Gideon, the great mighty man of valor. When I was thinking of Gideon this week, I was thinking of this very hymn and I thought, that day or that night on the threshing floor as Gideon just looked around him and saw the, the Midianites coming in and robbing him and Israel of, of blessings. I could just picture Gideon in a huff, in his pity party. Poor me. But you know, as I was thinking more of Gideon, I then began to think of John Newton's hymn. And especially that, the, sec, the, the verse there, Bowed down beneath a load of sin by Satan sorely pressed, by war without and fears within, I come to thee for rest. Do you know, despite Gideon's failure in life, his failure as a leader, yet this morning we see in the life of Gideon, through his weakness, oh, how he found such strength and in fact, he came to know victory in his life as he found a place of peace and rest with the Lord. Here in the life of Gideon and in the days of the judges, this was a time of spiritual poverty. We have to remember that as you read through the book of Judges and for those who are Following the daily reading plan, you're going to come into Judges. Remember, this is a time of spiritual poverty. Joshua had died, and here's now Israel. They're now in Canaan, and they were to show the, the other nations what God is like. Israel were to reflect the very character and nature of the true and the living God. But instead, notice... As we go through the book of Judges, you'll see that they didn't show forth the character and nature of God at all. They virtually became Canaanites. And here in the book of Judges, you're going to see a cycle, not of hope, but of failure. The book of Judges is it's a violent book. It's the word of God. And it shows you the reality of human nature. In chapter 1, we see that the Canaanites have been driven out. But not all. The reason that the Canaanites were to be driven out of the land was so that Israel would avoid moral corruption. And that they wouldn't be worshipping false gods anymore. And that which God detested especially was chi child sacrifice. This was the common practice of Canaan. Sacrificing, putting their children into fires for these false gods. And eventually God said, I've had enough. These children, these babies should not be dying and being burned for a false God, a God that doesn't even exist. And so eventually God said, enough is enough. And when God gave the land of Canaan to Israel, they were to purify the land. They were, the land was now to be like heaven. There was to be peace and love and joy and mercy. Remember Joshua? He even set up cities of refuge where people who, yes, if they had committed a crime, they could still find mercy. They could run to a city of, of refuge. And so in the land of Israel, the promised land was supposed to be heaven on earth. 
It was a place that you could find joy and peace with God. That you could know your heart thrilled in the presence of God. And it was to be a place that people would be drawn to. That the other nations would look and say, He is the God, the sovereign God. And we want to come and worship him. Remember the Queen of Sheba? How she came in the days of Solomon? Not just to see Solomon in all his wisdom, but we're told that she came to inquire of his God. And so here, in chapter 1, we see why Canaan had to be driven out. But then we see in chapter 2, chapter 2 of Judges gives us almost the, the outline of the whole book of Judges. We notice how the people again returned to their sins. They started to worship false gods. And then the other nations came in and oppressed Israel. And they were defeated time and time again. When Israel fell into sin, the nations had a free-for-all. And going through the book of Judges, you'll see the Midianites would come in, the Ammonites would come in. And other nations would come in and they would trample over Israel. And so they would be oppressed. Their hearts broken. They were crushed. And then they would repent. They would turn to the Lord. It was always at their, the, their deepest needs. When they were absolutely lost. When they had nothing else. They would then turn to the Lord. But you know, time and time again, God in his mercy, his love and his grace would come to Israel. And he would say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. I love you, I still love you, I care for you. And God would then raise up a deliverer. He would be a saviour for them. And then, of course, as the deliverer would come, he was... He or she would be a military leader. Remember, this is the days where there's no king in Israel. And Joshua has now died. And so you had all these other, you had leaders in different places, these military leaders. And the book of Judges tells us of these judges, these, rule, these military leaders. And so when God would raise up these military leaders, then there was peace. Again, And so every cycle, go through Judges and you'll see that cycle right through the whole book. The people sin, then they're oppressed, and then they cry in prayer, they repent, and a deliverer then comes to rescue them, and then they know peace. And you would think that experiencing that peace of God again, you would think, now they've learnt their lesson, but no... Time and time again, they would go back to their sins and the same old sins. And so, when you come into chapters 3 to 16 of Judges, these chapters describe the failure of those leaders. Judges is very honest. The book of Judges is a very honest book. It's not like other histories where you read of the great valiant heroes of the faith and how they were spotless and perfect and you all want to be like them. No, when you go through Judges, especially chapter 3 there to chapter 16, you'll see judge after judge. Some of them began well, but then, oh, look at the end of their life. Each time, these leaders, these deliverers, just began well and then they would fail. And then at the end of chapter 16, when you see all these leaders failing, these deliverers, you almost feel the cry, Lord, are we ever going to see a deliverer come that will bring in eternal peace? Are we ever going to know someone who we can look up to? And of course, that's the heart of Judges. Time and time again, although the book describes all the failures of Israel, from the leaders in chapter 3 to 16, then at the close of Judges, 
in chapter 17 to 21, you then will see the moral failures of the people themselves. The people of Israel, not just the leaders. The moral failures of the leaders began to infiltrate in the life of the ordinary person. And so the whole book of Judges almost presents to us a history of failure in Israel. And a warning to us what sin does and what a cycle of sin does. And how we always seem to go back and oh we're back again. And we almost look at Judges and we say, Lord, <laughs> that's the pattern of our lives. That's the pattern of Scotland. That's the pattern of all the wars that we see around the world. Lord, our world history is in the book of Judges. But you know, in the book of Judges, that's not the goal of the writer though. The writer, as the Holy Spirit comes upon this writer and fills his heart and as God breathes out his word, God's not bringing a message of failure. He's not saying, you've all failed, you've messed up. It doesn't matter whether it's your leader, a military leader, or your church leader. Yes, everyone fails. God's not just bringing, he's not bringing a message saying, you're all a waste of time. And it's a waste of time, me bothering with any of you. No, the message of judges is, there is hope. There is peace. There is love. There's mercy. There's grace that flows in the book of Judges. Oh, when you go through the book of Judges, yes, you see all the, the darkness and the violence. But through it all, you see God in all his beauty, in all his goodness, in all his love, in all his mercy, in all his delight. And your heart continually wants to go to him. Even when you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Judges reveals you can go to him. When you feel lost, he will come to you. When you look at the cross, remember, he will come to you. When you read through the book of Judges, he will come to you. In all your need, in all your weakness, in all your brokenness. Even if you feel, as a Christian, that you feel like a failure. The book of Judges is a reminder. He will come to you. Despite us. He loves us. God is sovereign. And we worship a sovereign God who cares. Who loves his people. He knows us so well. Yes, in the early part of Judges, we'll see some, some leaders who were okay. You have Othniel and Ehud and, of course, Deborah was a wonderful leader. And then we come to Gideon. What can we say about Gideon? Well, as one um, very intellectual scholar said, he was okay. I like that. Gideon was okay. Yes, he began well, but oh, he failed badly at the end. So this was a time of spiritual poverty. In Judges chapter 6, as we approach Judges chapter 6, we also notice it was a time of persecution. The Midianites, they were like wandering Bedouins from Arabia. And they lived in the tents and they would be always on the move and they, were, they would be trading and crossing the desert daily. They were always scheming and plundering and destroying and killing. Oh, that, that was the Midianites. Remember Moses' father-in-law? We're told that he was a priest of Midian. And Hobab, as we shared last Sunday, we talked about Hobab, who possibly was the brother-in-law of Moses, who was also a Midianite. And so this is this tribe, the Midianites. And there's possible links with the Ishmaelites as well. Now, they're described throughout the Bible as grasshoppers. And they were not a people of peace. This is the Midianites. They were known as grasshoppers. They just, they were everywhere. 
and they were not a people of peace. And as we come into this time of persecution, now the Bible focuses on Gideon. And it's not just a time of persecution, it's a time of powerlessness. Gideon was there one night on the threshing floor. Here's the, the man that God's going to raise up next to be de the deliverer. But look at our great deliverer, Gideon. Here he is, it's dark, it's at, it's at night. And he's doing the harvesting then. Why? Because the Midianites were coming through the day and taking away their harvest and spoiling everything. And now they were, Israel were living in fear. They were living in their caves. And they hid away at night. And through the night hour, these candles would be burning and they would be trying to do their work through the night hour, hoping the Midianites would be fast asleep and they wouldn't bother with them then. And so we're told here that Gideon... He was here doing the harvesting this night. And Gideon, like others of Israel, they had lost sight of the sovereignty of God. They lost sight of the character and nature of God. They felt as if they were on their own. God wasn't there to help them. God wasn't there to deliver them. And here, Gideon just sat on the threshing floor and his heart was totally broken. Notice his position. This is Gideon. His name was also Jerubal, which meant Baal is great. That's, that was Gideon's name. Jerubal, Baal is great. That just gives you a picture of, of the time that they were going through. But Gideon... His name also, Gideon, one who cuts down, a hewer, a hacker, a country possibly a country farmer. And so here's Gideon, busy harvesting at night. And he describes himself as the least of his family. Isn't that interesting? He said, I'm, he said, I'm the least in my family. I'm someone you wouldn't want to bother with. And then Gideon goes on to describe his tribe as the least of all the tribes. Can you hear his heart? Poor me. I'm nothing. My family are nothing. My tribe, my clan, my people are nothing. We're just nothing before God. We're nothing before the world. Oh, here's Gideon. What a heart. And in chapter 7, Gideon's described as a bread roll. <laughs> He has no resources. Here's Gideon. He feels as if he's got nothing left in life. He's got nothing. But, oh, you get a fuller picture in, the, in Hebrews. What are we told about Gideon in Hebrews? Well, we're told that out of weakness, he was made strong. I like that. Notice Gideon, here he is on the threshing floor. He is absolutely weak. He feels that he's got nothing left. There's nothing left in him. Spiritual life, oh boy, there's just barely a flicker is left even in his spiritual life. He's there and just there. He's depressed, totally depressed. Totally discouraged, totally disappointed, wondering about maybe the future. What hope have we? And what hope have I? But now notice Gideon's prayer. From despondency, he just turns upwards. He looks to God. In a way, his last resort. But oh, if Gideon had only learned earlier, God is never the last resort. He's the first place you come. He is the place that your heart should automatically go to. When you've failed, when you've sinned, when you've messed up, we go to God. Did not God teach Israel that? Oh, when you muck up, turn to me, return to me. 
and see when you're happy and everything's going well. Come to me, return to me, and return with thanksgiving and joy. And rejoice that I may rejoice with you. God is always the one we come to first. And even when we carry the heaviness of the world upon our shoulders, oh, we can go to Christ. We can go to the Lord Jesus this morning. If you're heavily laden and burdened, if there's something weighing heavy on your heart and mind, and you just feel useless, and you feel as if you, you can't do anything about it, your circumstances, your situation, oh, remember, he will come to you. Oh, look up. Christ will come. He comes to meet us in our needs. And he comes to meet us even in our sins. And here's Gideon now and he prays. And notice how he prays. And oh, if ever you want to, if you feel, Scott, I've, I've, my prayer life is just, oh, it's hardly there. I haven't prayed for, for some, I haven't been serious about prayer for a long time. I've tried to get back to my Bible readings. Well, can I encourage you? If ever you want to see someone who just feels as if they're just beginning again with the Lord, as if they're back to square one, and they want to learn again how to pray. Oh, learn from Gideon. Notice his prayer. He just breathes. It's, it's like a breath just comes out of him. It's a sigh. It's not, you wouldn't actually call it a prayer, but it is. He has this long sigh. He just wishes for peace. He just wants peace in his life. And the battles that are outside him, oh Lord, I just wish there was an end of all these battles. The raging war that's in me right now. Just, I feel, Lord, as if there's battles within and battles without. And Gideon just breathes and he just says, oh, peace. Peace. Have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever felt as if you don't even have a prayer? You don't know how to pray? You don't have the words, but all you know is, oh Lord. Do you know someone else who prayed like that? Was a man called Habakkuk. Or Habakkuk, the prophet. He was like that. We're told that he just sighed. He just gave out a groan and God heard his prayer. And here's Gideon the same. He just gives a sigh. He's just longing to know peace. Peace within. Oh, to know Jehovah Shalom. To know a return of a heart at peace with God. Remember what Isaiah tells us? That there is a deliverer coming. Oh, he'll be a greater than Ehud and Deborah. He'll be a greater than Samson. He'll be a greater than all these great deliverers. He'll be a greater than Gideon. And he will be called Prince of Peace. He will be called the Prince of Peace. That's who Gideon was crying to. He was longing to know the Prince of Peace himself. Jehovah Shalom. And as Gideon prays, or as he sighs, notice when the angel of the Lord appears, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon on the threshing floor, there, as he was praying, he didn't say, Gideon, you awful man of God. <laughs> What's happened to you? What, what have you been doing? You've messed up. You know, the angel of the Lord didn't come and accuse Gideon. He didn't come with a list of all the mistakes in his life and tell him where he's failed and where all, oh, every blunder. He didn't come showing him his history. When God appeared to Gideon, he spoke right into his heart. He spoke to the very need 
of Gideon. He spoke to that place of brokenness. He spoke right into the place of weakness. And what did God say to Gideon? He said, you mighty man of valor, rise up. And you know, when you think of God meeting with Gideon, we scratch our heads and we say, Lord, how could you say that to Gideon? We know him. <laughs> we know him really well. And he's not a mighty man of valor. But yet God said of Gideon, you mighty man of valor. He could see the heart of Gideon, that in his weakness, God was going to be his strength. That's why he's going to be a mighty man of valor. And that's why God could declare upon Gideon's life, you mighty man of valor, I'm going with you. I, I'll be with you. You're going to see victory because I'll be with you. You don't need to worry. I am with the mighty man of valor. Notice, don't separate that. I am with thee. I'm with you, Gideon. Therefore, you will be a mighty man of valor. When we know our hearts right with God, oh, you will know his strength. You can rise this morning and say, Lord, I'm going with you. Lord, there's nothing great in me. There's nothing strong about me. But Lord, when you are with me, oh, I feel strong. I know I can rely on your strength. Can you imagine God speaking to Gideon, you mighty man of valor? I'm with you. How would you feel if, if the Lord Jesus would come to you this morning and say to you, I'm with you. Don't worry. I am your Prince of Peace. You've known some battles, and I know you're facing battles out there, out in your life. You're facing storms and trials, and I know you're facing battles in your heart right now. Your heart is just beating away, and you know that there's trouble there too. Imagine the Lord coming to you this morning and just saying, I'm with you in it. I'm with you. Don't worry, I'm with you. God doesn't always deliver us from all our problems and all the storms and trials, but he does promise, well, I'll be with you. I am Emmanuel, God with you. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll be with you. And see, when you know that the Lord is with you, when you know that you have Christ, your Prince of Peace, do you not feel strong? Do you not feel that hope filling you again? Do you not know your heart just beat a bit faster? Do you not feel that profession coming again? Oh, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. You know, when God spoke to Gideon, there in that place of prayer, notice now how God promotes Gideon. And this is where I always just think, oh no, poor Gideon. You know, you would think that God would come maybe to Gideon, yes, with all his love and his care and his tender mercy. And he would come to Gideon and say, Gideon, I'm with you, don't worry. And see these battles out there? See all these storms out there? Guess what? Get out of here. And go out there. <laughs> go back into these storms and trials. Go back into the battles. I'm sending you out. Get out of the caves. Stop hiding away. I'll be with you. Not just here, but out there too. They were not, Gideon was not to stay in that wee cave enjoying the presence of God and that he could just stay there forever and ever. He wasn't there just saying, oh Lord, this is lovely. I now know your peace. I can feel your love and your care and your joy. And oh Lord, I just want to set up a church here. I wish Stevenson High Kirk could just stay here in this cave. And we could just sing our hymns and we can pray. And oh, and we don't have to face all that's out there. No. <laughs> the Lord came to Gideon and said, Gideon, you're not to stay in your wee church here. When, you, when the church meets together, yes, God promises to bless his people. But in order that we will get out of our caves, out of our dens, 
out of our places here and to go out to this world and be a blessing to the world. We're to be a blessing to our neighbours, our families, our loved ones. And I know that's difficult, but we're still to. But see when the Lord's with you, when the Lord gives you his peace and he gives you the words to say, and see when you don't feel that confidence to share the love of Jesus with others, ask the Lord, Lord, in my weakness, be my strength. You may not be able to chap on a door or hand out a tract, but you can pray for your family. You can pray for your loved ones. You can be a blessing to those in our community. You can show the love of Christ in some way. Ask the Lord, Lord, how can I show the love of Christ? How can I get out from this den and this cave where I can be a blessing to? And so Gideon was promoted. And out of weakness, he became strong. And out of weakness, he came to know victory in his life. And today, can I encourage each one of you? You may feel that you're in a place of weakness here today, this morning. I don't know what's going on in your life. And others probably don't either, but you know what you're facing. And it may be that today you're saying, Scott, do you know this? I'm Gideon. <laughs> That's exactly how I felt. I felt like Gideon. Then, oh, well, today, will you just meet with God? Would you come to the Lord Jesus? Will you let the Holy Spirit just move your heart and just come before Christ himself, your Prince of Peace, and just pray, Lord, please grant me peace. May I know peace with God and may I know the peace of Christ that goes beyond my understanding. And Lord, that you would lead me to be a blessing and that I would know victory even in my weakness. Is that your prayer? And for the church, the High Kirk, you know, we can feel as if we're in a place of weakness, but my prayer for the High Kirk is that God would just raise us up to be such a, a strength for our community that many would want to come and find peace and joy and healing and deliverance and a haven of rest here. Oh, that we would see victories. Oh, let's pray on for that day. And so we're going to have a quiet time of prayer where you can have just a wee moment to pray. And then Ross is going to lead us in our intercessory prayers. So let's pray together. God, we humbly come before you asking you to hear our prayers, Lord, and hoping that they align with your will. We think in the branches of our church, Lord, the mothers and toddlers, the rainbows, the Sunday club, and the people that look after young children. We pray for the girls' brigade, the women's guild, the various prayer groups that meet in the church. We pray for the discipleship group in the Wednesday, Lord. And we also pray for the lovely teaching we get in the man's on a Friday night. And also pray for those who work to run these, these various branches of your body, Lord. And I pray again for all those who lost loved ones in the recent past. Jesus said that if I fear I should come to him, no one else can be my shield. I should come to him. Pray over the conflicts in our world, Lord. We pray 
especially for the churches within these conflicts. I pray for the conflicts in Ukraine, Yemen. You see Kosovo starting to simmer again, Lord. The Israeli-Palestine ongoing turmoil that seems to brew there constantly, Lord. The, the trouble the church is going through in Nigeria. We pray for, for Julie, Esther and Courtney and the Irish ministries. And I ask you to particularly to bless our minister Scott and his family and to bless him with wisdom and insight as he leads us through the stormy waters of the Presbyterian plan. You know, I, 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 I just have that feeling of Jesus calming the storm, Lord, and I just pray that you would calm that storm. But I pray ultimately it's your will be done, Lord. And I pray for that in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, thanks so much, Ross, for leading us in our intercessory prayers. Well, we're going to worship the Lord together in our closing hymn, When Peace Like a River Attendeth My Way. When peace like a Attendeth my way when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say. It is well, it is 
And now let us go in the strength of the Lord and the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all and remain upon you now and always.